Do you believe it this morning? Do we believe that we serve a God who's too good not to believe in? Did you see God at your Thanksgiving table this week? Did you see him in your family? Do you see him raising up the next generation behind us to be thankful, to honor God for all that he's done? Are we ready to praise him for the next month in these holy days that we have a lot ahead of us leading to the day of his birth, a celebration and remembrance of what he's done for us, what he did for us, what he's doing in your life today. Listen, I love to praise God through song but I'm also just excited to hear how God wants to challenge us in his word today. So would we pray together and let's get excited to hear from God's word. God, we love you. And God, you truly are. You're too good not to believe in. God, we saw you at work in our lives this week. We see you continually at work in our families today. And God, we just pray. Oh God, we pray that as we open up your word, as we hear from what you've given to us, that God, we'd be challenged. That God, we would truly be moved to a new place of spiritual maturity today. That we would remember all that you've done and that it'd bring us to a place of thankfulness today. God, if there's anything that has caused us this week to fall out of alignment with you, that God, your scriptures, your presence, your Holy Spirit within us would bring us back to what matters most. God, we know you can do it. We've seen you do it. And you are gonna do it again today. So God, I pray over every heart in this room, every heart watching online, every heart in Atascacita that's participating in worship with us, that God, that you would help us, each of us, to open up our hearts and to let us be changed and challenged by your word your living, breathing word. We love you. We give this time of praise to you. It's in your son's name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated and welcome. Man, it is so good to be with you. Super excited um, just for what God um, has really brought about in this series, all about surviving in the wilderness, um, the wilderness survival guide. And a lot of times life can feel a lot like a wilderness. A lot of us ventured into the wilderness of Thanksgiving this week, right? And I know that for some of us, um, well, really for all of us, we come into this time of worship having experienced a whole a uh, uh, different realm of many different, different perspectives as to how Thanksgiving week. And I know for a few of you this week, it was an incredible time with family where you guys came together, you carved open the turkey, everyone was dressed in their finest, the meal went off without a hitch, everyone connected and bonded. You didn't just settle for surface level conversation, you dove into the deep issues within your family and came out of Thanksgiving more united than you went into it. And for the three of you that that represents, we're so proud of you, way to go. Way to go. You set a mark for all of us. Now, for some of you, uh, you know that's not what really happened, but if you ask someone, that's what would happen. And you're probably, you were exhausted all week because you wore this all week. Uh-huh, yeah. And when you watched some of your nieces or nephews or cousins or whatever, and you saw a bunch of kids running around and misbehaving, when you wanted to just speak into the life of a sibling or an in-law and say, your kids are horrible, what you said was, they're so full of energy, look at them. Wow, they make such a good mess, right? And, and we wore that, and, and it wasn't a time of bonding, it was a time of pretending. 
of where we pretended like we had everything together and we know that there were things that needed to be addressed, but we don't wanna spoil the holiday. So we all just did a great job of walking on eggshells and we put on that face or we didn't do such a good job wearing that face. Maybe you had the Thanksgiving experience of just constant tension. No one dared breach the subject that needed to be brought up, but we all knew what needed to be said. And so we just all lived in a certain level of tension. And then when the, we find, finally said our final goodbyes, there was just a great sigh of, oh, let's just, let's just be thankful we got through that for another year. And nothing was ever actually settled or spoken, but that's where it was. Or maybe you came into this place and because of past holidays, you came into this holiday already frustrated. Maybe it was a divided holiday where your whole family didn't come together because of tensions and things that happened at a previous date or a previous holiday. And there's still so much frustration and hurt that even though you were together with some family this week, the thing that was constantly on your mind was the people who should be there but weren't. Or maybe this holiday was a holiday that brought a lot of sadness because there was someone who couldn't be there. You experienced a loss this year or someone who's sick and wasn't able to be there or in a different part of the country that wasn't able to be there. Maybe you were on the other side of it of where this holiday was spent alone for you. There wasn't someone for you to connect with. There wasn't someone for you to be with. You were longing to be with family but couldn't. Or you're the one who feels like you're left out and all your family is doing something and for some reason you just couldn't be a part of. All of those and more are represented in this room. But you know what I believe that we learn from God's word is that no matter what our lives looked like this last week, Thanksgiving is an incredible opportunity to do what God's word shows us, I believe, every mature believer does, take time to give thanks. And I hope you did that this week, no matter what, whether you spent it alone, whether it was the most amazing Thanksgiving that you and your family have had in quite some time, I really do believe that for most of us, probably at some point, we took time at some point to pause and to give a moment of thanks. I know a lot of people do that before they sit down and have their meal. They, they ask each other, what's one thing that you're thankful for this year? And maybe you didn't have something so formal, but I would bet for most of us, there was an opportunity or a moment or a time when you paused and you just stopped to give thanks. And you did. You took time to thank God for your kids or to thank God for your spouse, thank God for your family, thank God for your job or thank God for his creation, thank God for what he's doing in your life and you had a moment of thanks and it was good. But can I ask you a question? How long did that moment last? Was it until you were around family and the same issue arose again or until uh, something got broken in your house or until someone didn't show up that said they were gonna show up? How long until that thankfulness was lost, until you were back in frustration, you were back in an argument? And you know, that's one of the things that we have to constantly be doing is challenging ourselves to do whatever it takes to give thanks. You know why I love the book of Psalms in scripture? is because the psalmists are so good. It's like every psalm was written right after Thanksgiving. Where a psalmist comes in and he's like, God, I praise you, but you don't know what my siblings and what my offspring are doing and my life is miserable and it's this. And then it ends with, but God, you're good. And I know that you're good. And a lot of us, that's what we need to do. We need to have the heart of a psalmist of where we have something regularly in our life that brings us back to a place of maturity, to a place of thanks. And I really believe that where growth is for our church and where growth is for us as individuals is to be able to grow to a place of where we are living from a continual place of gratitude and thanks. 
but it's hard to do. And so today, what I want us to do is to have the opportunity. We're going to go through one of the Psalms, Psalm 106. We're pretty much going to cover it from top to bottom. And I think we're going to learn a lot from this psalmist as to what it takes to be thankful. Now, remember, there's a lot of people who believe that this psalmist was written by King David, the second king over all of Israel. And as he writes it, he takes time to reflect upon his ancestors and their trip when, uh, in, when the, his ancestors were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, where the Israelites kind of got, uh, uh, they uh, multiplied under Pharaoh's rule there. Then they were enslaved for 400 years. And then God rose up Moses in the book of Exodus to bring them into the promised land that God had promised to David's forefather, Abraham. And he reflected upon their journey from slavery into the promised land and how hard it was for them to stay in a place of thanksgiving. And maybe something this week, even though it was Thanksgiving, you're thinking back, not about the things that you're thankful for. Really, you're here this morning, you're thinking about all the things that you're frustrated about or that you're hurt about. Things that hurt you, things that took you out of Thanksgiving and you're carrying a heavy heart. Don't fret, (laughs) you're just like a psalmist. You're just like David. You're just like me. But you know what's so good is? God's word is good about bringing us back into alignment. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? And let's look at the opening lines from Psalm 106. As the psalmist speaks, I'm gonna argue what he knows he should feel, not necessarily what he does feel. This is what he says in Psalms 106, verses one through three. He says this, praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? We don't even have enough time. One day of Thanksgiving would not be enough. Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Let's pray. God, I know that I'm not counted amongst those who always do what is right. It is hard God, it is hard to stay at a place of continual thanksgiving. But God, I know that it's what you're calling us to, to be the best reflection of you that we can be is to take time to remember who you are, what you've done, and what you are doing in our lives. So God, I pray, just like you were able to align the hearts of the psalmist over and over and over again, that God, you'd bring our hearts into alignment with you today, that you'd bring us back to a place of peace, a place of confidence, remembering that you are a good God, too good not to believe in. We love you. We give this time of worship to you. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Well, welcome. You may be seated. We're so thankful to be worshiping with all of you who are worshiping with us online. Those of you who are in Atascacita, Pastor Daniel and the Atascacita group, we love you guys so much. I wish I was there with you right now in person. I love Pastor Daniel like crazy. I bet you anything that he's got a hoodie on that matches his hair and shoes that matches his outfit because that's who he is and I wish we all knew him better. But I'm telling you, this is an amazing, this is an amazing Psalm that we dive into in Psalm 106. The Psalmist who speaks about the thanksgiving that he knows that we all need to have. Give thanks, be of good cheer, praise God. Who can ever talk about? We, wouldn't, we don't have enough days or minutes in our lives to be able to fully declare all the wonderful things that God has done. I believe the psalmist speaks it before he really feels it. I think when the psalmist opens this psalm, he walks into it a lot like we walk into church sometimes completely out of alignment. When I think of out of alignment, I think of people who have back pain. 
Any people in here that have chronic back pain that you carry around all the time, it is no fun. Have you ever had a pinched nerve or something fall out of alignment with your back or a pulled muscle? If you've ever seen that, it is a horrible thing to see. And it is super sad because you can tell the people who are in it, right? You, look, you walk through the shopping malls this uh, holiday season and you'll see the people with back pain because they all walk the same, right? Like this just doing whatever it takes to make sure that their back does not hurt. My poor dad, he had a degenerative disc in his back, and so we used to call him the S-man because whenever we would throw his back out, he would walk just like that in the shape of an S, and he would just do whatever it takes, and you would see him, right? If he would be walking, and he'd be you know, trying to smile and be at church, but if something fell out of his pocket and hit the ground, that's just gonna stay there forever, you know? And he would just move on because you're gonna do anything it takes to not aggravate back pain. When your back is out of alignment, man, everything becomes bleak. Nothing seems good, nothing feels good, nothing seems like it's gonna go right in your life. All you can focus on is the pain. We had a friend from Michigan, I remember growing up, and for whatever reason, every once in a while, his back would just go into spasms. He'd be sitting on the couch, we'd be playing cards or whatever, and his back would go into spasms, and he would just immediately flop to the ground and just lay there and just do everything that he could to be still. And he would plead with us not to say any jokes or anything that would make him laugh because the back pain, when his back went into spasms, when everything in his life went out of alignment, it was just, please don't do anything that's gonna make this pain worse. That's all you can focus on is the pain. And I think a lot of us, we find ourselves in that same place spiritually often. We find ourselves out of alignment with what matters most. And what happens is what we have is we have God's gift of church. We have God's gift of the body of Christ. We have God's gift of his word and praise and worship that helps us in a world that is constantly trying to pull your life out of alignment that causes you to focus on your pain, your broken relationships, your hurts, to focus on things that don't matter, constantly trying to pull you out of alignment. And God has given us the blessing of church, a life group a team to serve on, fellow Christians and believers and praise and worship in his word. And what it does is it brings us back into alignment. But it's so easy to live in that pain. And the psalmist says this after he takes time. One of the reasons that I feel confident that he wasn't speaking from a place of really believing the thanksgiving that was coming from his hearts is because he knew his life was out of alignment. And you know what? I wanna look at today the keys not just to stopping for occasional Thanksgiving, once a year Thanksgiving, but what are the keys to remaining thankful throughout your life? What are the keys to staying thankful? And I think the psalmist shows us this in the next verse, that one of the keys is, if you're gonna remain thankful, you also have to start by being humble and remembering your sins. I love it what he says in the very next verse after he takes time to celebrate who God is. He says this, yet... We have sinned. I blew it this Thanksgiving. Maybe you can relate to the psalmist. I did not hold my temper. I did not talk about the things that needed to matter. I didn't bring up that age-old hurt. We have sinned. Even as our ancestors did, we have done wrong and acted wickedly. When our ancestors were in Egypt, he's taking time to remember their path from slavery into the promised land. They gave no thought to your miracles. Wow. They did not remember your many kindnesses 
and they have rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. You see, this makes me think about the fact that when I think about my own life, when I am far from a place of thanksgiving, when I'm at a place of operating from my hurt or my bitterness or my pain or whatever it is that's causing me distress, all those kids running around making a mess, breaking things, the people who didn't bring stuff or didn't show up, the person who's continuing to be so stubborn and hard fast in their thing, how can they believe that politically? What's wrong with them? Um, and the things that we hold on to, the things that rub us, when we're in that place, you know what you're not thinking about? The miracles that God has done in your life the amazing things, the places where God has brought you, the time when your kid had 105 fever and God uh, brought his healing power into their life. You're not thinking about the pandemic that God has brought us back through so that we can come together for a place of worship, the financial crisis that God brought us through in 2008, the fact that we live in a country that's free to worship because of what God did in our lives and through our ancestors 200 years ago, the fact that God gave his one and only son to give his life on the cross for us a few thousand years ago that allows us to be able to live in the promise and the hope of heaven. When you were living in your frustration and your hurt, that's not what you were thinking about. And the same is true for our ancestors. For every one of us who falls out of thanksgiving, do you know why we do? Because we give no thought to his miracles about what he has done. And what it takes to be able to remain thankful is first and foremost to be humble and to recognize that whatever frustration it is that is in your life, with family, whether it's your immediate family or your extended family, one of the things that we need is the humility to first and foremost to say, I'm probably a part of the problem. My own sins, my own faults, my own failures. And this isn't about beating yourself up, forgetting that we're under grace and all people are forgiven. It's about remembering that the goal is not to be right. The goal is to be reconnected to God and to family. That's what we long for. In your heart of hearts, you know that's what you were created for, to be connected. What's taking you away from connection with God? What's been taking you away from connection with your family? I promise you, it's not worth it. What is worth it is doing whatever it takes to be connected. And we have to take time to give thought to the things that God has done. I love what Winston Churchill said after the World War when he said this. He says, we must learn from history or you're doomed to repeat it. What an amazing statement. I also love one of the other most wise philosophers I know coming from the movie of Cars, Mr. Tomater. He said this, when Lightning McQueen said to him, you must be the world's most best backwards driver. And the following statement stuck with me and I never knew why until I prepared for this message and it came to pass. Tomater said this, I don't gotta know where I'm going, I just gotta know where I've been. You see, he wasn't worried about crashing into things as he drove backwards he, because he had learned from when he had crashed into those things going forwards. And so sometimes it's important if we're gonna be able to move forward into our relationships, if we're gonna focus on reconnection instead of living from our hurt, we gotta take time to remember how faithful God has been in our past. When we can look backwards and see and the times that we lived in our frustration, it really did nobody any good. But the times that we operated from our forgiveness and obedience with God, when we operated from a place of grace and extending grace, when we operated from his power and his strength instead of our own strength, remembering the miracles and the things that he's done and how he has restored relationships, we remember his miracles and it'll take you to a different place. It'll take you to a place of thanksgiving. So it's okay to take time to remember your sins to be able to admit that there's a good chance that if you're out of thankfulness, that you're a part of the problem. But it is equally as important as the psalmist declares to remember his faithfulness, as we talked about, to remember the miracles that he's done. Listen to what he says. 
And the next verses, he says this, yet he, God, saved them for his name's sake to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. When the Egyptians were chasing God's chosen people, Moses walked out into the Red Sea and the Red Sea split on both sides, right? And the people walked across on dry land. They made it to the other side. And as the Egyptians pursued them, God caused the waters to close over them. And the people saw this and they saw the amazing miracles that God had done. The same people who were sinning, who had not taken time to remember, who were complaining just moments before that, God delivered them for his name's sake. Don't you remember that you are the church of Jesus Christ? Him working miracles in your family, in your life, is something that he longs to do, if not for your sake, for his sakes? He's gonna do good in your life. The question is whether or not our hearts are gonna be in alignment so that when he does good work, we will be quick to give him praise. And while he's in the process of doing the good work, we will praise him even still before the good work comes to pass. But for his name's sake, even when our hearts aren't in alignment, when you are a child of God, you can know this, his goodness is on the way in your life. You can be thankful today as a a, a pre-it coming. His goodness is on the way and the mature believer knows that and even when there's frustration in your family, when there's stubbornness in your family, when there's a fallout in your family, when there's tension in your family, when there's been hurt in your family, when there's been screaming and yelling and separation and things, what a mature believer does is says, God, I know that you are at work. I remember your faithfulness and I'm gonna trust you to continue to do something in my life to restore my family, to restore my connection with you. If you feel far from God, but not from family, it's the same thing to trust that God is at work in your life, if not for your sake, for his sake, because he will be glorified through your life because you belong to him. When he brought them through the Red Sea, it says this in the next verses, it says, then after he delivered them, Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. This is such an interesting part of the passage to me because they've delivered him. They've just seen God wipe out their enemies in front of them by allowing them to walk through the Red Sea. The Red Sea closed over them. And then immediately in the next chapter, you can read it in Exodus, they begin to write a song and they're all singing praise and like, look what God did, woo! And they're all so excited until three days later when they got thirsty. They're like, we don't, why did God bring us here? Were there not enough graves for us in Egypt that he brought us out here in the wilderness to die? It's like, where did your thankfulness go? Just like for a lot of us this week, maybe we had a moment of thankfulness, but then just the first frustration that hit us later on, or the first time we went back and looked at our bank account, we're like, oh, thankfulness gone. The first time that our kids misbehaved on the way home, on the ride home or whatever, or the first time that our sibling brought up the tensions from the past, or why is it, by the way, that every time we go back for our family holiday, it's like we fall back into alignment of when we were kids? You know, it's like you maybe, you, no matter whether you've started a business and you have a family of your own, all they remember is the trash can you peed in when you were seven, right, or whatever. And they just hold it over your head again. It's like, I'm 38 years old. This is personal therapy, y'all just let it go. Okay, here we go. It's so crazy though on how we can get held up on things that don't matter. Um, But when they see God's miracle, the nation of Israel, they celebrate, God, you've done so much amazing things. Look at what you did, but look at what the verse says and let's learn from them. They soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. I don't wanna be that person. 
I don't want to accept the good from God and not the trials. I don't want to be the one who refuses to wait for God's plan to unfold. Would you join me in believing that God's doing something great in your heart and your life and in your family? Let's celebrate him before his plan unfolds, not just when his plan unfolds. In the desert, they gave in to their cravings. In the wilderness, they put God to the test. They turned on God and they rebelled against him, refusing to remember his faithfulness. But can I ask you a question? When has God ever not come through on his promises? And if you struggle to answer that question, can I challenge you to do something? Go learn more about his promises. Because there are a lot of times where I get frustrated and hurt and confused and wonder why God's allowing to happen what's happening. But I can tell you this, I have never found a promise in God's word that he has broken. And yet I continue to fall out of thankfulness. I wanna grow up. I want us to grow up together. I want us to be a church that is known for being confident in what God's gonna do before he even does it, on what he is doing before we can even see it. We have to remember his faithfulness, but we also have to make sure that we let nothing take the place of God's glory. The psalmist reflects upon as he's trying to move his place to a heart of thanksgiving, that after the Israelites had crossed the Red Sea and they were moving in God's faithfulness and God was leading them by a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day, they came to the holy mountain, Mount Sinai, where God met with Moses and met with the people and God said, I'm gonna be your God and you're gonna be my people. I'm gonna lead you to the promised land. They're like, yeah! Moses goes up on the mountain to get the 10 commandments from God, which were 10 simple rules that would help them remain connected to God and connected to each other. Things like don't kill each other, don't steal from each other, don't have other gods but me because I'm the only real God. These things that would help them maintain their connection. But when Moses goes up on the mountain for just a couple of days, because we, hear me on this, because we are made to worship, when they weren't sure, when they were in the hours and the moments and the days between having heard a direct word from God, having seen God do something great in their life, when God was on the mountain meeting with Moses, they didn't know what to worship and so they made something to worship. And it says this in, uh, in uh, Psalm 106, it says this 19 and 20, at Horeb, at the base of the mountain, they made a calf and worshiped an idol cast from metal. They exchanged the glorious God for an image of a bull, which eats grass. Literally what they did, as Moses was on the mountain meeting with God, they were so concerned about, what's going on? They're like, I don't know, we need something to praise and worship. So they took gold and they threw it from the fire. Each person from the wealth of Egypt, which was given to them by the Egyptians as they were leaving their land because of God's faithfulness, they took that same gold, threw it into the fire, it melted down, and then Aaron fastened it into a calf. Now here's what happens. Moses comes down from the mountain and they're praising and bowing down and worshiping this golden statue. And Moses is carrying the Ten Commandments. He's like, what are you doing? This was the people's response. We don't know. We took our gold off. We threw it into the fire and look, this golden calf jumped out. What? They exchanged the glory of God for a golden calf. They were looking for something to praise and worship while God was meeting with them on the mountain just beside them. And it makes me think in my life, I know that I haven't bowed down to a golden calf and it can cause us to look at the Israelites and be like, what were they thinking? But it does make me think about what have I exchanged for the glory of God? What's taken me away from my thankfulness? 
Have I exchanged the glory of God for the desire to see my team win a championship? If the Aggies could just pull their stuff together, if the Astros would have won the World Series, then I'd be thinking, if my kid just could have won, that referee blew it for us. Is that what's taking us away from the glory of God? Maybe it's not your team winning a championship. Maybe it's you striking that multi-million dollar deal that you're convinced that if you just have a few more zeros in your bank account, then peace will settle into your heart and life. And you're exchanging the glory of God for possessions, for things that aren't gonna last, things that eventually you're gonna be passing down to someone else. Maybe it's not money and maybe it's not Uh, fame and celebrity, maybe it's just you've exchanged the glory of God, and this is what I struggle with the most, for just the desire to need to be in the know. I gotta stay up with the latest movie. I gotta see the latest uh, TV series. I gotta stay up with what's going on. I gotta follow my friends on Facebook. I gotta scroll, 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 scroll through, and I gotta stay in touch with what's going on, and I gotta be a part, and I can't miss out on my family's over here. And why is everyone, why are three families gathering we didn't get to be a part of? And we exchange the glory of God for just needing to be a part of what's going on in our lives. And what it does is it just fills you with tension and frustration all the time because everything that's connected to this world is constantly trying to pull you away from connection with God, away from connection with other people, and pulling you away from peace, pulling you out of alignment so you live your whole life in pain. But don't you know that's why you have the opportunity to come to church every week? Why you need to be in church every week is because church is a place of where God's able to bring you back into alignment. We're able to find ourselves being encouraged by one another, remembering what God has done, having the heart of a psalmist and coming back to a place of thanksgiving. And so we've got to do whatever it takes to not let anything take the place of the glory of God. But we also have to know that a part of being thankful is instead of forgetting what God has done, instead of being frustrated and angry at the people who have hurt us who are a part of our frustration, learning to pray for one another and said, listen to what it says in Psalm 106, 22 through 23. It says this, yes, they forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt, miracles in the land of Ham and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. So he said he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to keep his wrath from destroying them? Here's what happens. The Israelites, they complain so much against God that at some point God says, okay, listen, if you don't want me in your life, if you really believe that all these other things, that golden calf can save you, then I will give you to the golden calf and see what happens. And God removes his hand of protection on their life because it's what they were asking for. And a plague breaks out amongst God's people. And people literally begin to drop down dead. Now Moses and Aaron, whom the people had been complaining against, had probably every right to say, well, y'all are getting what you deserve. Probably a lot like what a lot of us feel like when things happen to our family members or things happen to families or things happen in their kids' lives that we feel like are a direct result of their bad parenting, if we're being honest. Them not doing what they should be doing. Them not uh, uh, being involved and doing what they're supposed to be doing. But that's not what Moses and Aaron did. A powerful thing happens. You can read about it in Numbers chapter 16. God, Moses sends Aaron as the plague is breaking out of Israel and people are dying. Moses sends Aaron out with an incense burner, which represents the prayers of God's people, if you will, if you'll stay with me. And Aaron runs out amongst the masses as they are rebelling against God and rebelling against Moses, Aaron begins to spread his incense burner. Anyone who the incense touched, who the incense came out of his censer and touched, anyone who the fragrance of the incense touched was not touched by the plague. 
So literally, if you will, Aaron runs out and he begins to pray over all of God's people. And anyone who he can get to with his prayers is spared from God's discipline. Now this challenges me as I think back upon my Thanksgiving week. When I came across that family member who was causing me constant tension and frustration, did I recognize the capacity as to what God has given me and the power of prayer to stand between them and what they deserve to say, God, I know what they deserve. I know what we all deserve, but I'm praying for you that you would stir in their life, that you would show grace on their life, that you would do something amazing in their life. I don't wanna be counted amongst those who forget what God has done and what he's done in my life and allow my tension and my frustration to boil over of just waiting to see people experience what I think they deserve from God. I wanna be counted amongst those who are faithful and prayerful and drop onto my knees for those who anger me and to plead with God that he would soften their hearts towards his discipline, that they would be responsive, that they themselves would get back into alignment. But you know what? I can't think about others until the Lord helps me to get back into alignment myself. But I think when you are in alignment, we'll have the heart of Moses, the heart of Aaron, and we'll pray for one another. Next, I think one of the things that we would need to be able to do is we need to be able to hold on to God's promises. You see, after the plague broke out, it says this. Remember the promised land that God was leading to them? It says this in Psalm 106. It says, then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his promise. You see, once the hardship fell on the nation of Israel, the same people who were like, look what God did. He wiped out our enemies in the Red Sea. are like, he's brought us out here to die. And they didn't believe his promise anymore that he was gonna bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey, establish them as a nation that was gonna last forever, even to this day, all the way through the end of time, that God would be faithful to protect them and keep them safe. They lost sight of those promises. Instead, they grumbled in their tents and did not obey the Lord. Is this what you did? (laughs) Is this what I did? After Thanksgiving Day, when we had all these things that we know needed to be said, but we didn't, so then what we said is we said it in the car ride on the way home. Right, we lean over to our spouse and like, can you believe that they did this? Can you believe what they said? We let it go in our cars or in our homes and we say it to our spouse because we're confident that our spouse isn't gonna actually make us say anything to them because if they did, we would make them say the things that they need to say to their family. So instead we just hold it and we just grumble and we complain about it and we talk about it in a place that actually gets nothing done. And we grumble in our tents, we grumble in our cars, we grumble in text messages, we grumble on social media, we grumble in our homes. And instead of obeying the Lord and fighting for that connection. And so he swore to them with uplifted hands that he would not, that he would make them fall in the wilderness. And left to their own bitterness, as you continue on in Psalm 106, the nation of Israel turns to idolatry, murder, rebellion, disobedience. They don't turn back to gratitude. They turn away from the Lord even more. But can you, can you hear me in this? You see, God was faithful. And one thing that I hope, I know that oftentimes my anger, my frustration towards my family, my frustration towards God can take me to a place of where I say things that I wish I wouldn't have said. I do things that I wish I wouldn't have done. I think things that I wish I wouldn't have thought. But I am so thankful for the power of God's Holy Spirit that is constantly pricking me in the heart. Mark, what are you doing? Why have you done that? Why have you said that? That's not gonna be good. And you know what? I am thankful that the psalmist takes time to remember that when life got hard for the Israelites as they were living in disobedience, they did have the wisdom at some point to come back to a place of humility and they cried out to the Lord. Listen to what it says this in Psalm 106. 
Yet he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant and out of his great love, he relented. He caused all who held them captive to show them mercy. Save us, Lord our God, and gather us from the nations, the psalmist says, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. If life took hold of you this week, don't let your pride keep you from crying out to the Lord. God, we need you in our family. There is sickness, there is discord, there is quarreling. There is lots of things that don't represent the unity of what you've called us to do. God, there is anger in my heart. There is bitterness in my heart. There is the thought and the desire to say things and do things that I know don't honor you. God, bring healing. God, please move in our lives. God, bring me back from this place that I might be able to do that, which every person does when we are back in alignment with you, when we do remember what you've done, that we'd be able to sing praise to you and give thanks. And don't you know that's exactly what the nation of Israel did? That's exactly where the psalmist comes back to. When he finally gets his heart back in alignment, he says this. When he remembers what Israel had done, he says, I don't want to walk down that path. And then from a place of meaning, I believe he says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, let all the people say amen. Isn't that what we said just a few moments ago as we sang the song, Too Good Not to Believe, and we prayed over it, and we asked God to move in our hearts, and we said, let all God's people say amen. We are in agreement. God is at work in my family. God is at work in our life. We can't wait to sing praise to who he is. Yes, my life has been out of alignment, but man, if you've ever been out of alignment, there is one thing that we know that we long for in that moment. It is to lay on our ground, and we look, if you're a guy, and you look at your wife, and you say, would you just walk on my back? Please, jump around on there or something. Nothing could be worse than this, right? My wife does this, she'll get on my back and this is probably bad, right? Probably some chiropractor's been like, don't do this, it's not advisable. I don't know, I'm not a doctor, this is what we do. And she'll get on my back and just, oh. When everything pops back into alignment and it's like the world is green again, ha, rainbows and butterflies, everything's fine. My life's gonna be okay because you're back in alignment. Man, isn't it good to know that that's what God wants to do in your life today? No matter what the world has been saying to you, you've come back to a place today at church where you remember that we serve a God who loves us, who's been faithful to us for thousands of years in the past, is gonna be, continue to be faithful for thousands of years in our future. He's at work in your family today. He has not given up on you. He's not given up on your family. He is working in your uncle's heart. He is working in your aunt's heart. He is working on healing in your, in your grandma's body. He is working in your stepmom. He is working to cause that argument to come to pass. He is working to soften hearts and bring people back together. And I want to be a church known as Woodland Church that fights for connection, that fights for unity, that serves together on teams, that comes together in life groups and comes together on the weekends to pop each other's backs, to bring each other back into alignment, to say, Mark, you, you're missing it. Mark, I saw you walk into the hall and you were yelling at your kid. Mark, don't let it be out of anger. Get your heart back right. Be thankful. Remember, God's given you the path to be a parent, to love them. I need that from you, and you need that from me. We need to be able to bring each other back to a place of alignment. Would you pray with me? 
And as you pray, would you just do one thing this morning? Would you just ask God, would you let him search out your heart and say, God, wherever I'm out of alignment today, if something stirred in you from a part of the passage that was shared today or something that God spoke through me, would you let him just bring you back into alignment to a place of thanks? How are you in alignment? You're in alignment when you're at a place of thanks. And if you've never received God as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know he wants you to be a part of his forever family. He wants to bring you into a place of where we are committed to being thankful and having each other's backs. We don't let family just drift away. We pray for each other. We fight for each other. We still hurt each other. But the Holy Spirit is constantly bringing us back to a place of unity. So as we pray, would you let God search out your heart? What step do you need to take to be a little bit more unified to God's church or to God himself? You need to serve on a team. You need to get serious about getting in a life group. Holding some babies in the preschool ministry. We need you. Call on a family member today. Send in an apology text that begins to open conversation. Would you let God search out your heart? And then I pray that what happens from here would be a church that's about to respond in a place of thanksgiving and praise. A church who takes time to remember the maker of heaven and earth. Who makes a way where there seems to be no way. And that this next song would be sung from a place of maturity. Not that everything has been worked out, but as God unfolds his plan in your life, that we can sing thanks and praise to God because we know it's on the way. God, we love you. And that's why we choose to get serious about letting you bring us back into alignment. Would you do what only you can do? You're the maker of heaven and earth. You will make a way. You will make a way for our families to come back together, God. You will make a way for us to see what you're doing in this sickness. God, you will make a way for us to see your goodness. So God, while we wait, you will be praised. This is your time. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.